You're listening to the Here's the Deal podcast. If you would like more information or would like to connect with the show, check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Here's the Deal podcast. We hope you enjoy the show. You're listening to the Here's the Deal podcast. My name is Dominic Kendall. I know you're maybe expecting to hear former Vice President Joe Biden, but that's the that's a different Here's the Deal podcast. Uh, but don't don't click off here just yet. We have a great show in store for you. Um, and like always, I am joined by my friend and co-host, Luke Chris. Luke, how are you doing, buddy? I am doing awesome, man. How about you? Oh, I'm doing great. I got to go to a huddle house this morning. Mm. I was the first one to enter in after quarantine. It was a beautiful sight. There were tears and masks. It was great. <laughs> uh, but today is a very special day. Um, for those of you who know me, you know um, that I have a podcast I listen to all the time, a show that I am excited about. And so today's guest, uh, for me, is, is awesome. I'm so excited. Um, and so today's guest is uh, the host of a nationally syndicated radio show that's now celebrating 26 years uh, serving the people of Alabama, but all over the country. Um, and uh, he's also uh, the uh, host of a podcast called the Rick and Bubba University Podcast. And he's also one of the founders, co-founders of themanchurch.com, which is an all-in-one, all-inclusive uh, men's ministry tool that is helping men, not just in high challenge, but also in high equipping, helping men regain Christ-centered masculinity. And so we are so excited today to have uh, Rick Burgess on the show with us. Rick, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me, uh, Vice President. And look, I'll tell you, uh, <laughs> I know we don't agree on things politically. Is this Joe Biden's Oh No, yet? no, this is not Joe Biden. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. This, is not, this is not Sleepy Joe. Um, Let me tell you, you you'll, you'll learn more here than you're ever going to learn on the Joe Biden podcast i'll tell you that. <laughs> that's for sure and uh, glad to be here thanks yeah we we ramble but not the entire podcast so <laughs> um so rick we are so glad you're here and i mean we just want to know we've we've uh followed up on you guys i follow listen i'm a big fan of the show i was just telling you, you before this that I, I was in the golden ticket seats and it was a big deal for me um and you guys had buffalo wild wings and and you had a cake it was it was awesome and so um it I was had friends texting me from everywhere saying hey i think your friend dominic just spun the wheel of meat and i was like what are you talking about yeah it was yeah, um that's, that's one of those texts that requires more information yeah for yeah. sure <laughs> yeah they're like well uh, anyway so um you know one of the things is is i've watched your youtube i want you to know the other day we made spiral dogs me and my me and my daughter um we sat out by the grill and we made spiral dogs it was awesome um if you don't know what a spiral dog is you're not a real fan of the show and so uh and so we're we're in there but what what other things are you doing uh i know that we're now if you're listening this is may 11th we've been released a little bit from some restrictions here in alabama but what have you been doing during this quarantine time fun things weird things what have you been doing well, I, you know, I don't know how to take some of the things that are going on. First of all, I don't know how we're going to restaurants and eat through a mask. But um, <laughs> sure, can, can we get rid of the mask? Can we yeah. drop the mask? Amen. Yeah. At the Huddle House, did, was the Huddle Burger plate? Uh, how did you get that down with the mask on? I well, mean, it was uh, weird because the plate had a mask on it too, and it was I had to, I, it was weird. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, now you know, there's been every time I don't want to get overly spiritual yet. You know, because that we were, we're about to. Uh, but you know, it's one of those things where I've just kind of learned in life when things happen, they probably didn't surprise God. Yeah. And so, so then I was like, all right, what, what are you trying to teach me during all this? I mean, man, we had just launched the manchurch.com. Mm. Uh, we, I think, I've, I think by the time we're doing this podcast, I've had 
probably 14 uh, different gatherings and events canceled. Oh my gosh. And, you know, that was going to be our big kickoff because it does have that element in it too, the discipleship strategy, which we'll talk about a little bit. But, you know, we also had, you know, set it up in a way it could be done virtually, uh, you know, with the, with the technology. And so I thought, all right, well, well, God must, must you know, I've heard, I, I forget who, who gets credit for saying this. If you want to make God laugh, just tell him your plans. <laughs> uh, but, but I, I was just kind of thinking to myself, you know, what, what am I, what am I needing to learn? So God has slowed me down. Uh, he probably has slowed me down more than my wife prefers. Yeah. She did say to me the other day, honey, I just miss missing you. And, uh, so I didn't know how to take that, but, um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at home more, uh, my sons have, uh, who are all, you know, young adults, uh, they've ended up in the house more than ever. I've got to spend more time with them. Uh, so it's been a wonderful time for my wife and I also, even though we work on our marriage and, and make a point to continue to date, but we really have really bonded and spending some great time together. And I'll tell you what you can't say, you can't say, you know, I just don't have time to get in the word of God. I just don't. Uh, sure. you, you do now. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's given me opportunity to read some, some commentaries and to get into the word of God and spend some more time there. Uh, so I have, um, I have actually enjoyed it. Uh, at first I thought it was going to drive me crazy, but, um, I've actually enjoyed it. You appreciate things like outside. Uh, you appreciate things like the weather we had in Alabama over the weekend, uh, to walk outside and mm-hmm. go blue sky, sunshine, green trees, yeah. Um, you know, this conversation we're having, we're actually going to finish it. Yeah. Uh, what do you want to do today? I don't know. We have time to do just about anything. <laughs> so, um, so it's, it's been, it's been good, but I, I fished a lot. Uh, God uh, gave us a, a farm at, at a time that we had no idea why he was doing it. Cause we weren't looking for a farm. Yeah. Uh, he, he showed us pretty quick what that was about, but we've had that farm for about 12 years and we've spent time there fishing and sitting and relaxing. So, you know, I, I'm, I hate that I cannot, be with my parents who are still alive, but they're 79 years old. That's been difficult. Yeah. Uh, but another thing there, I call my mom every few days, which frankly, sadly, I didn't do before. Yeah. So, uh, so there's, there's been a lot of good that's come from it. Yeah, for sure. It has, um, you know, put a lot of things. The Lord has certainly been teaching all of us a lot of things. And I love how you mentioned, um, you know, just your heart for men's ministry. And I've got to experience a little bit of that hearing you at, uh, Redemption Church with Pastor Ed Linton down there. You came and spoke to us. And the question on my heart's really been this whole time is for you is why men's ministry? Like, what is your, what is your draw towards that? Well, if you, if you think about this, you know, I'm, I'm a C student from Calhoun County, Alabama. And if you don't know where Calhoun County, Alabama is located, if you were to get on this gigantic uh, interstate called I-20 and you're going either from Birmingham to Atlanta or Atlanta to Birmingham, it's where you stop and go to the bathroom. Uh, it, it's about halfway between those two cities. Oh, I know that place. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you do. Most people go to where are you from? I said, you, you know, I know you've heard of Oxford, Mississippi and Oxford, England. I'm actually from Oxford, Alabama. And they're like, I, I'm, I'm not familiar with that. Then I, then I say what I just said and they go, oh, yeah, I do know where that is. Uh, and uh, so we built a city on human waste. But yeah, perfect. Uh, so, so I, you know, I'm, even though I'm an Oxford graduate, it's Oxford, Alabama. Uh, so, but, but there's certain things that I think are just common sense. And so you may be a lot like me. I found myself every father's day at a church somewhere in the Bible belt, hearing a pastor say the same thing over and over again, that men and women were created by God as equal. And I want to be sure everybody understands that, Mm -hmm. but not the same. 
And the roles that he gave a woman are specific and the roles that he gave a man are specific, not one above the other, but uh, as far as, you know, value, but there is a, a pecking order and there is a maternal instinct and, and gift sets he gave a woman and there's influence and gift sets he gave a man. And, uh, and, and that's the way he arranged it. And the thing I kept hearing every father's day is some Barna, George Barna, they've done another survey or this Christian organization has done another survey and they've questioned the spiritual health of the home and society and the church. And they found the same thing. And y- y'all can say it with me. I'm sure they're the most influential force in the home and in the church and in society is the influence that God gave a man be the spiritual leader. Your the health of your house spiritually. No one, you know, has the influence that God's given you. And I heard this over and over again. And I went, okay. Yeah. So what are we doing about it? Yeah. <laughs> and uh and and so I, I started like researching and over time I did like a lot of men. I just heard it and said, Yeah, Roger that. And uh and and then I just kind of moved on with my life. And I noticed as I started talking to other men and even to myself, there was a frustration because you mentioned it, Dominic, starting this, this podcast, men usually on Father's Day messages, and I love events. I do. I do a lot of events, so I do love events, and they're very good at high challenge. But what I was noticing is that we were being challenged a lot, but we weren't being equipped at all. Yeah. And, and I, was, I was thinking, where, where's the equipping that goes along with this high challenge? And so I started noticing, Luke, uh, something that really bothered me, as I began to go speak places, I would sit down with pastors and I would say, do we believe what we say every Father's Day? Hmm. And most of them would say, what do you mean? And then I would say what I just said to you. Oh, yeah, of course we do. All the research shows that. Okay. In, in Scripture, there's places where uh, Exodus 34, 23, and I don't remember in Deuteronomy exactly where it was, but in Deuteronomy 2, where Moses is instructed by God that on certain times of the year, in, in Exodus, it's three times a year, hmm. bring me the men. Don't bring me the women. Don't bring me the children. Just bring me the men, and I'll instruct the men what I want done. We find in the Garden of Eden, he never tells Eve about the tree. He tells Adam to tell Eve about the tree. And then when God shows up, what does he say? Adam, what's happened here? He he doesn't address Eve to. He hands down the result of the sin. And then Adam sadly blames the wife, even though he'd said before that she was the greatest gift that God could have ever given him. Yeah. And, and so we see that sin has entered the relationship between men and women. But we find every single time that God keeps instructing the men on what he expects. And so I would ask the pastor, so tell me about your ministries in your church. And they would say, okay, but tell me about your children's ministry. Oh, we just, we got all kinds of things going on. We got this, we built this, we got this new area. Okay, sounds great. Tell me about your women's ministry. Oh, we had a women's event. We had to ask if the, the speaker could speak on two nights because they sold out so fast. And the women are doing these Bible studies and they're networking over here and they're networking over here and they do this at the church and they do that at the church and this and that and great. Uh, tell me about your youth ministry. You know, well, you know, the, these these youth are, are facing unprecedented times and we've got this really happening youth pastor and man, he's doing a great job going over to the school and we've set these things up and we're seeing some growth here. And, you know, this generation just wants you to shoot them straight and we've got this design. Okay, sounds great. Tell me about your adult classes. Oh, we got this curriculum, and we've written this curriculum, or we've bought this curriculum, and we're doing this in our adult classes, and this, that, and that. And then I would say every without, without I, I'll be fair. I'll say nine out of ten. Hmm. I, I know of one time that I sat down in front of a pastor that he gave an answer different than this. And then I would say, well, tell me about your men's ministry. And a lot of times I just look down. 
just ah, you know, we can't we can't get them engaged. And I said, well, what what curriculum do you have for them? Nothing. Uh, what do you do for men? Well, we have a wild game feast, or we do a prayer breakfast where a football coach comes in and uncomfortably tries to tie football stories to school. <laughs> okay. All right. So, um, so wait a minute. I just heard you telling me you were investing all kinds of things in every ministry of the church except the men. I went to my pastor at my church, and I love my church, and I love my pastor. Do you know where the men's ministry ranked on the church budget? Last. Oh. Um, not not just sort of last, dead last, like big gap from whatever was before them. Wow. And I, and I said, so if we believe what we say every Father's Day, our actions don't look like that we really mean it. Yeah. Because if I came to you guys, say I said, hey, Dominic, Luke, I got y'all want to invest? You say, well, sure, Rick, we do. Well, I've got an investment that could get you a return of about 7%. And I know these numbers have changed over the years, but that, that's that's if a child in the house becomes a follower of Christ. The influence that child could have on the rest of the, the house yeah. and on the church and on society. Okay, you, that sounds pretty good. So when I've got another investment that will get you about a 23% return. You're like, man, that's that's through the roof. Uh, well, that would be the mom, and that would be the wife. Mm-hmm. That that's that's about what we see if the if the wife becomes a spiritual leader of the home. Uh, or, I have one more investment. The highest we've ever seen was ninety three percent. The lowest we've ever seen is seventy eight percent. So I can get you a return of anywhere from seventy eight to ninety three percent. I take both those. on your investment. <laughs> would you invest in that last For or sure. first? First, but but, but yeah. we don't. That's not the church culture. We do not invest in men first. Yeah. We usually invest in them last if we invest with them at all. And then you come back every Father's Day and tell them that really everything goes how they go. Well, you could see how that could lead to a very frustrating yeah. message. Yeah. And, and that's when I said, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the opposite of what Satan's doing. Satan is laughing because he figured this out a long time ago. If you get the men and destroy the men... Mm-hmm. Then you'll destroy the house, you'll destroy the church, and you'll destroy uh, the society. Yeah. So why don't we just counter what Satan already knows and say, if we disciple the men, first of all, you got to reach you. If we reach the men mm-hmm. and then we disciple the men, won't we counter that? Won't that also solve a lot of problems? And uh, to me, that just that's just Calhoun County, Alabama, common sense. Yeah. And so we put together a system that says, and, and, and here's the good news for churches, it really doesn't require a huge investment of, of yeah. money. Yeah. Men are not that expensive. Women and children and, and adult classes, that is more expensive stuff. The point wasn't how much of the budget these others required is the priority they were given. So what we've done is said, if men really are the, if God really has given men the influence that we claim that they have been given, you would think they would be a priority in the church. Yeah, that's good. It's common sense. Yeah, as you talk, I mean, I think we've both experienced, we've had multiple conversations here about the student ministry here is overwhelmingly ran by the girls in the ministry. Um, I think we're seeing that a lot, that the girls, they just step up and they they take the lead over a lot of our guys. Um, Our guys aren't as faithful as a lot of our girls are. And a lot of that's because they they see the daddy's not being faithful. Yeah, yeah. And so we have weak boys because we have weak men. And so we're experiencing that. For sure. And the Lord has, 
uh, bless the student ministry a lot, and the girls have taken lead in a lot of areas, but we're just not going to fully flourish until they both step up and take that leadership. And I love hearing that because it's something that it's not just, it's not ethereal for us. We're seeing it happen in so many different areas. Um, so just during this time of quarantine, you mentioned all your, all your things getting canceled and things like that. How have you and your team been reaching out or ministering to men um, in this unprecedented time? Well, if, if you go to themanchurch.com, and be sure and put the the on there, because I think there's a guy, kind of like you guys with Joe Biden, <laughs> there's a guy that's doing a movie, and so he has manchurch.com. That's not it. Yeah. It's themanchurch.com. So what we've done, you're right, we had to do something, because our discipleship, discipleship strategy is based off the Exodus uh, 24, uh, I mean, 34, 23, and of course, the verse in Deuteronomy that says the same thing I can't think of. But, but anyway, so we say, well, we see God putting a plan together that men should gather with just themselves, not one event every year or every other year. They should be doing that periodically throughout the year. So undoubtedly Moses was not on the quarter system, but, yeah. but we are. So we thought, well, take a clock, just picture an old clock. I know some of you young people don't even know what I'm talking about with a clock, yeah. but you know, an old clock on the wall, and you can see that there's noon, there's six, and then there's 45 and there's 15. Picture every one of those being a gathering where men are pulled out away from the women and the children, and they go into a service. I'm not talking about an event. You can certainly make one of them an event if you want to, but I'm really talking about a service. Mm -hmm. And they go out, and we pull them out into that four times a year. And in that gathering is the high challenge that we've all been accustomed to. Mm -hmm. There's a speaker that talks to men. You can't speak to men the way they need to be spoken to if you keep them in groups with women and children. You can't do it. Yeah. I would even say the youth should do the same thing. Yeah. Pull these males away periodically because you'll never disciple a man or a male if you continue to treat him like he's a woman or a small child. It doesn't work. Yeah. You can't disciple men by treating them like they're women. Yeah. Most of churches are set up to disciple women, and that's why men are not interested. Yeah. So, so this gives us an opportunity to bring the men in a setting where you can speak to them the way that God made them, and, and it's different. And you wouldn't want to do this in a setting with women and children in the room with them. That's not appropriate either. Mm -hmm. So this sets that up where, hey, there's no, there's no holds barred in here. So then when, the, when we get done with the high challenge, we're, you set up and say, now we have these men designed at different days of the week and different time where you're now going to get deeper in the Word of God. We're not just going to keep screaming at you, be the spiritual leader. We're going to train the willing to actually do it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You not just hear about it, but actually do it. So what we do then, they if you picture that clock that I told you about, now it, till we get to the next men's gathering or event, they're in Bible studies, but we've also put together curriculum because nobody writes curriculum for men. Now, you certainly can. If you have guys that are good enough to do expository teaching, that's great. But if you don't and you're needing a starting place, we have a curriculum called The Pursuit, and we'll do a new one every year, but the first one is called Pursuit. And this is us talking about the pursuit of Christ-centered masculinity. If you want to look at an example of how to be a man that has no flaws, how about when God became one? Yeah. You know, and and so That's I bet good. you know he did he didn't mess it up. So we look at the principles of the person of Jesus and the teachings of the person of Jesus are the followers of Jesus, and we spend time on those in small groups with men at different days of the week and different time. I speak for you know on a video for twelve to fifteen minutes. Then they're given a study guide they can print out, or they just have it on their phone, their iPad, their computer, and they work through that. So what we did, since the gatherings can't happen right now, 
we just said, all right, instead of one facilitator having the pass to the videos and then everybody else gets the study guides, let's just have everybody in the group can have the videos. So you can say, we got a, we got a 12 to 15 guy group. We all every week watch the video and go through the study guide and then via zoom or however you want to do it or webinar or these other meeting services, Mm -hmm. the men are getting together virtually and say, let's talk about the video that we all saw this week. And let's walk through the study guide that was laid out and it's hard hitting. Uh, it is high equipping because I believe men are just craving. Stop talking to me like I'm a child. Mm -hmm. You know, I can handle this and you know what men really want to hear. And y'all gonna love this, what the Bible says. Uh, Yeah. And, and, And what they want to hear is this. If you tell a man that Jesus said in Matthew seven, that for, this is just for an example, that the road is wide and easy that leads to destruction, and many are going there. However, if you want to follow me, you enter by a narrow gate, and it's hard, and only a few find it. See, I think that we've been such grace abusers, and we're so, and we all love grace. We have no hope without it. But we have made the standard of following Jesus and being transformed by Jesus so low, men aren't interested. Yeah. You know what they say? Well, anybody can do that. And it must not change your life very much. It looks like the men I know or just live the way they always have. They just, now they got to get up on Sunday and go somewhere. <laughs> and so what we're doing is, is we're now saying the same way that you know how to do whatever you're interested in. You can't say, somebody say, well, men don't like to study. Yeah, I used to be that guy. But where did I get all this information about how to fish and hunt and all this information about my, uh, my football team, my, yeah. my sports team, yeah. uh, my hobbies, my business that I'm in, uh, you know, whatever, my golf game. Men seem to find out a lot about things they actually care about. That's right. So what we have to do is say, well, why don't you care about this? And present it in a way that that, that, that they respond to. The first man church we ever had, first gathering, we, I started out speaking, and I talked about the open sin of the men in the, in the church body. And I said, our church would be healthier today, and it would save some of your lives if we would throw you out. Some of y'all should be thrown out of this church body according to Scripture. And, 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 and because we've come to you and you haven't done anything, more people have come to you, you haven't changed. And now we should take your open sin before the, before the church and we should remove you from the church as, as Paul instructed. And I said, then it would probably save your life and it would, it would make our church healthy because sin in the church body, Jesus warned us will corrupt the whole body. And so people are like, well, that was too heavy handed. That was too harsh. You shouldn't have said that. Until we had the 23 testimonies that night mm. of people that had been going to our church, the lowest the lowest amount of time somebody had been a member of our church was seven years. One guy had been going to the church for 23 years, and he dealt with the sin in his life because he was spoken to like a man. Yeah. And so what we do, I think if we would tell men the truth, and our curriculum does this, following Jesus is hard, and most of us aren't man enough to do it because it's totally dependent on brokenness and it's totally dependent on him. Yeah. You you cannot do it unless you're willing to die to yourself, pick up your cross, and follow Jesus, which means you're willing to die daily. And and here's the good news: He'll change you, yeah. but not until you die. Yeah. And and so we we that's kind of the pursuit. And we take on these eight characteristics, and we spend five weeks. So our adjustment to your question, Luke, to the pandemic was that we instead of us having the gatherings, uh-huh. we're doing those virtually we're putting together services for men that are online we're also doing the curriculum uh with your own video pass and your own study guide 
and then men are meeting once a week to discuss all that via Zoom or some other technology. Yeah. That's awesome. That's encouraging to hear. Yeah, Zoom. I'm tired of it. Yeah. Um, I love it. And I'm so grateful you're on it, but man, I've zoomed I'm everything. So that was a children's show on public television. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and and Rick, you know, we've used your "How to Be a Man" study um, that uh, you've done. We've done that with students and uh, with our with our young men here, and it was a great study, and our students really enjoyed it. Um, and uh, I thought it was really beneficial. And you know, one of the hardest things for for us to do, and I think just in general, is um, if you want to know how uh, a, a woman can study the Bible. Man, there's some great women teachers out there that are just doing a great job, and they can they can read and say that they're drawing in their Bible. There's a woman's Bible for a uh, women's Bible for that you can just like finger paint in, and you can like draw and and do all this other stuff. But you know, it's hard sometimes to have it really modeled well for uh, what does it look like for a man to study. You're you're a C student from Calhoun County. I'm a C student from Sevier County in East Tennessee. <laughs> no boy. Yeah. And um and you don't think that's a thing. Dolly, I'm pretty sure Dolly Parton just paid for me to go to school. I didn't earn that and so um, and so the, the thing for me is how do you study because I wasn't just a reader I just for me picking up a book like for me to watch something was one thing for me just pick up a book and read it especially once you hit Leviticus it was difficult and so like what do you do how are you getting into the word like what is your uh, what is your uh, routine what are you doing how are you how are you getting in the word um, you were talking about books you've been reading commentaries books what what do you do to help facilitate that communion with the father? Yeah, you, you got to be careful, as we all know, of commentaries because they're commentaries. Oh, yeah. uh, but but you, they're, they're sometimes good launching for you or to help you understand things you've already read. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the commentaries I do not like is when I go to one that tells me four or five commentaries on something I'm studying. And then about the time I've spent time on that, they go, but we don't think any of these stand up. Yes. And I'm yes. like, hey, man, let's just start with the ones it's you think stand up. It's always the final up. one okay. that yeah. they trust. Yeah, why yeah. is that? Is that some seminary trick? <laughs> I, I don't know. know. I don't know. But, Baptist. But, but anyway, what I would say is Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest, mm. mm-hmm. every, I go through it every single year. Yeah, that's good. Because, because it has so much depth to it and so much challenge. And what, what I can't understand is this guy, you know, he he passed away in his thirties, you know, back in the, is it the 1700s? If not, I know the 1800s. And, and I'll go through these, these notes that his wife, you know, it's his wife who got us this devotion. Yeah. I didn't know that. I studied that. She just found all his sermon notes. She's like, well, people need to see how God, you know, anointed my husband. And so I'm sitting here in 2020 and I'll read an Oswald Chambers devotion. And I'm like, how does he know what's going on in my life right Mm. now? (laughs) I mean, how does he know that I was going to get in a fight with somebody today? And he just told me, you may be thinking of ending a relationship today, but you need to lay that at the feet of the Lord because yeah. you'll mess it up. If it needs to be ended, he'll end it in a way that'll leave the least amount of damage. How did he know I was having that conversation? Yeah. So, and I'm not just saying that happens every time, but that one is, it's small and it's easy. Yeah. So a man doesn't have to spend a lot of time in it, but I have found for myself that the more that I became enthralled with the Lord, Jesus, the more I did start reading, which was shocking. But you got to start somewhere. That's where I think these videos can help that we do 12 to 15 minutes. It kind of expires you in this devotional you're talking about. We have devotionals at themanchurch.com too that kind of start your, but what we're trying to do is give you a love of scripture Mm -hmm. that you want to know more. And uh, I don't think you want to tell a person who says, I don't have study habits, may I assign you the book of Leviticus today? Yeah. You don't want to do that. Yeah. What you want to do is say, 
why don't you why don't we read through the gospel of john mm-hmm. because what does john do here's jesus yeah here's yeah. everything you need to know about jesus and you find yourself going these are incredible historical events uh you know so you don't you you want to be wise and i well, every time i have somebody that's new to the faith and they say i don't know how to study the bible what should i do i say start with the gospel of john yeah. and try to read a chapter of that today and then we'll work our way to the other things and then you know then because you don't I, I would think you don't want to start with anything like how about this i want you to read the revelation and let me know what you think yeah you know yeah. you, you want, gonna lose you want to get you want to yeah. get started with i need to know jesus who i'm now following now. Right. i want to know him so john does a good job of that yeah. we just finished uh, on our wednesday bible study i have about 50 guys now which goes all over the country and i do a, a I do it on youtube every wednesday and we just went through expository word for word the entire book of John, mm. 33 sessions, mm. and you can go back and watch those. So th- there needs to be something, and that's the reason why our, 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 our devotions and our curriculum are set up. We're trying to prompt the same thing in that man that golf prompted, that football yeah. prompted, that's that right. fishing prompted, that hunting prompted, that is that his career prompted. We're trying to get that switch to flip because men really do study – and find out everything about anything they have a passion for. That's yeah. right. And and so we're trying to first of all say you can't have a guy have a passion about Jesus when he doesn't know him. That's right. You know, yeah. and and so what what you're trying to do is to show them the way a man learns who Jesus is and why they should be redeemed. And then when they're redeemed and they're reconciled, then then that you know that spirit that's dead comes alive. And then we want to feed it by saying, take that enthusiasm now. Let me walk with you. One thing, men, that we do a poor job of, we should be mentoring other men. Yeah. You know, I, I, I bet you guys, I don't even know what, what y'all go through. I bet you have a difficult time finding older men to mentor the, the young men of your youth department. Yeah. I bet it's a struggle. The hardest and, part of know, our ministry, sure. Yeah, I, we have women telling us all the time, we don't want to be the spiritual leader of our home. You know, there's, there's some women out there that are in sin, they have a Jezebel spirit. They're trying to undermine the authority that God gave their husband. They don't respect their husband as they're commanded to. But I find those are probably usually usually the exception. They're, they're, yeah. They exist. They're real. Yeah. Normally, it's a woman who says, my husband won't do it. Uh, yeah. I, I've been stuck with it. I, I, I didn't want this responsibility, but he won't do it. And the reason why he don't, won't do it is he has not developed a passion for it. He's really just trying to appease his wife, yeah. and he thinks it might be a good thing for his children. But for him, it's just something he's trying to move on, you know, into the things in life he really cares about. So you have to find a way to introduce him to Scripture and introduce him to Jesus as Jesus really is. And and one thing that men love is when they find out that Jesus is not a hippie. Yeah. He's not. He's the mm-hmm. King of Kings, and he's the Lord of Lords. Mm. And the demands of the gospel are actually quite high. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's good. Uh, we, uh, like you said, one of the one of the biggest. Um, biggest questions that we continually get asked in our student ministry is over and over and over, how do I read my Bible? How do I want to read my Bible? How much should I read my Bible? Just constant questions like that. And it's always by people who, like you say, they'll they'll normally come up to us and it'll normally be maybe a middle school or a high school boy. And he'll say, I just, I don't like to read. I don't like to study. And I'm like, bro, you're telling me the high school stats of this NFL player and you know his number and his hometown and like you study the things that you delight in. Does it take discipline? Yes. Does it take a lot of times doing it when you don't want to and not understanding a lot of what you're reading? Yes. But if you will delight yourself in the law of the Lord, it's the delight that's going to draw out the affections. 
the study is where not the white knuckle discipline and you're clearly delighting in and studying a lot of other things. And I think now that a lot of those other things have been taken from us, we haven't had sports in 60 days or something. Yeah. Korean baseball. (laughs) That's about it. Yeah. We're watching old replays, but now a lot of us are face to face with the fact that, like you said, we have plenty of time to study the word and we just don't. That's been a lot of the stories that we've been hearing is, man, it turns out it's not actually my schedule that's keeping me out of the word. But it's just I don't delight in it. I don't want to. Yeah. So what advice well, would what yeah, advice okay. would you give um, anyone who is in that place of man? Well, I just want to have effective time studying God's word, and I don't know what to do. I think that I'm going to be very unpopular right now, but but I have I have I've done that before, so I, I can do that. I think you have to ask yourself a question: Why don't you delight in it? Yeah. Uh, because I I had I'm just speaking to me because I, I this look I did not. I was a cultural Christian. I said all the right things. I knew I, I didn't, I wasn't interested. Church was something I thought I was supposed to do. And I certainly, now I, there's never been a time in my life, never, not one time that I did not believe that everything everybody said about Jesus was correct. I'm not an agnostic. I'm not an atheist. I didn't leave the faith. I didn't reject the faith. I had people around me that were solid people uh, in my life and my family. Uh, but I thought, okay, I, I, I've gone to church. Uh, I believe in Jesus. I've gone down front. I've said the sinner's prayer. I've been baptized by water. Uh, what is that? Did that, does that pretty much do it guys? Can y'all leave me along <laughs> about this now? And, and it, and it was not the, it was not the center of my life. I didn't delight in it. I like that word. I didn't delight in it. And, and why? I mean, because I had somebody say to me the other day, just the question you just said, and I will give you more details, but I have to say this phrase cause you, you touched on it. Well, here's, here's, here's what I would say. Why don't you devote the time and why don't you give the passion to the Word of God and your spiritual growth exactly the same way you do everything else in your life that you've deemed a value? Mm. Why don't you just do for the spiritual part of your life the exact same thing you do with everything you deem a value? Yeah. So then we have to get to the bigger question, why don't they deem it a value? Now, I look, I've gotten to the point now I've had to learn to do small talk so I can have friends. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, because, because it's gotten to the point now I'm so engrossed, and it has nothing to do with me. It's not my great code of conduct, my great self-control, or my great righteousness. Everything about me, there's not one thing good about me other than Jesus. Yeah. But, but, but Jesus has so radically changed me and has become so sweet. And when I attach myself to the, to the true vine— you know, John 15, where he says, you attach yourself to the vine, the vine, and you abide in the true vine, you'll be fruitful. Yeah. Uh, he does it. Yeah. You know, look at, look at first John, where first John says, anybody that says that they know him, but they don't obey him is a liar. liar. Yeah. How can you say that the, the, the seed of God abides in your spirit and you still live in deliberate perpetual sin? How's that even possible? Mm-hmm. You're, that doesn't say much about the seed of God, does it? Right. And, and so where did this concept come from that Jesus is so unimpressive and he's so weak and he lacks so much power that when you encounter him, ha, it, it really it just doesn't do anything to you. I have found that that's not the case. Now, when I believed in Jesus, mm-hmm. when I had a demonic faith, meaning I believed all the concepts about Jesus that demons believed, it didn't change me and I didn't have a desire for it. Yeah. But when I was confronted with the sin in my life at the age of 31, and I prayed that these young people learned it before I did, at the age of 31, I had a pastor look me in the eye when I was trying to get married at his church, 
And he says, I'm not going to marry you because you're lost. Uh. I was like, who are you to tell me I'm lost? Hmm. He said, I'm not telling you you're lost. Your life. He said, where do you go to church? I said, nowhere. I, and I did that stupid thing. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. <laughs> I, I became I became a Christian as a kid. Yeah. And he goes, well, I understand legalistically what you're saying is right. But I don't know anybody that's been redeemed that doesn't go to church. You don't go to church to, to, to be redeemed. You go to church because you are redeemed. That's right. Yeah. Now, now you've got a hunger yeah. to go there and worship and, and know more and to just say, if nothing else, holy, 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 thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. And uh, and then he started pointing to the perpetual sin in my life, not stumbles, not mistakes, because we, we have those. We're never going to yeah. reach perfection on this Habitual. side of heaven as long as that flesh is still fighting that spirit. But but we should come under conviction when we're wrong. And I didn't. I lived in open, perpetual, deliberate sin and had for 13 years. And he said, I just I have too much respect for Jesus. Mm. How can you be under his authority and live the way you live? And I couldn't refute that because I knew enough about the Bible to know, yeah, I, I see his point. And yeah. so I went home and, and I started trying to figure out what's wrong with me. Why why have I not been transformed? Why don't I have it? Why are these Bibles in my house? Because I'm from Alabama and I had more Bibles than I knew Bible verses. Yeah. And I'm like, why do I not care about this? Why why is this something I think I've checked off the list, you know, as soon as I left my mom and dad's house? Why? Why doesn't this matter to me? And um, and I, I picked the Bible up, and of course I didn't get the joke at the time. Uh, and the Bible fell open to the Book of James, which uh, I mean, you, you guys, y'all get the joke. Yeah, yeah. You you study the Book of James over the next few weeks, and you'll say, "I got work to do." Yeah. You know, it, it's a challenging book because it demands something of mm-hmm. you not 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 to earn your salvation, but as the result of salvation. Yeah. yeah. And so. I looked and I saw these words in chapter four, submit. That's the first word I saw in English, submit. And I thought, hmm, my dad's a very authoritative guy. I know what that means. And then I saw resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Come near to God and he'll come near to you. Well, I'm a man. So what did I notice? Action steps. Submit, action steps. Submit, resist, come near. Action, action, action. And I understood that. Now, I'm not talking about earning salvation. I'm not talking about legalism, but, you know, like, like the, the, the Hebrews uh, Hall of Fame of Faith. Hebrews doesn't say that Noah had great faith because he believed God said build the ark. No, no, he, he showed his faith when he built it. Yeah, It doesn't say that Abraham was a great man of faith because God said to go and he acknowledged God wanted him to go. No, he went. Abraham was not a great man of faith when he believed that God wanted him to take Abel up and sacrifice him if necessary. No, he showed his faith when he's actually walking Abel up there. So this faith, you know, we're saved by grace through faith, but this faith is a faith of action. And I think that sometimes people don't have a desire for God is because all they've really done is believe in him. And, And it's not the trust and obey belief that the Bible calls for. It's just a historical, I believe the concepts yeah. of, of, of Jesus. I believe, uh, you know, the Trinity, of course, James says, well, good. So did the demons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, so you've accomplished that. And, uh, and so at that moment, I realized the reason why I had never experienced Jesus is I was never broken. I yeah. never truly repented. I had never said I'm wretched and I die today and I submit to your authority. I didn't know, I didn't know Romans 10, nine and 10. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you know, authoritative, yeah. 
and, uh, and, and that, that his father rose him from the dead on the third day, that you will be saved. Um, I didn't understand the concept of, of being under the authority of Christ and true repentance, because you, you can't just be under his authority and not repent. That's yeah. right. So, so I, I just said, Lord, I, I know that I'm something's wrong with me because I didn't know the right, you know, yeah. Christian phrases to say. I'm not who I should be. I know that you love me. I've known that since I was a child. But you got to teach me how to love you. And so I repent of my sin and I submit to you. I, I'm, I'm, you make me who you, uh, something else than I am because I can't. And it started happening. And then that spirit, as, as the, the Bible talks about, John talks about it in 1 John, that, that spirit that was dead came alive. Now, could I give you a theological debate right then? No. Uh, could I walk you through Scripture? No. But did I have a desire now? Yeah, the delight was there. The delight was there. And you know what I did? I plugged into a little local church in my hometown. My wife and I were married before that. We, we, we both gave our lives to Christ. We were redeemed. We were sanctified. As soon as we came back for the honeymoon, we found a local church and an older pastor, and I had a fire, and my wife did too. You know, we said, teach us, yeah. teach us, teach us. And he began to disciple. Guys, I went from a guy that would that one, one day would involve debauchery from the time I got up to the time I went to bed. I was dangerous. I, I was a liar. I was sexually immoral. I, w- I was just, a, I was a rounder. And I went from that to standing with a bunch of old men on Monday night for Monday night visitation. And I remember looking around, holding their hands. I'm like, what has happened to me? And why <laughs> did, did I, decide, why did I agree yeah. to come here? Yeah. They didn't make me come here. I'm here. Yeah. And I had, a, and I had a lot to learn, but that delight was there. Mm. Yeah. If, if I have no delight, it's one thing to say nobody will teach me or please help me. I can't figure it out, but I want to. Yeah. But if you don't have a desire, and I say this in men's ministry, and it sometimes it's not popular. Our men's ministry at my local church, we went from 600 men uh, attending the gatherings to about 225. But those 225, see, they want to grow. Mm. And you know what? God's honoring that. Yeah. I can't make people want to do it. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing I can do. All I can do is say, here, here is who he is. Here's what we're offering. But what I don't want to have anymore is for anybody to say, well, we were willing, but nothing was available. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and the good news is about men's ministry, and it's a little different than youth ministry. You don't find a lot of curriculums out there for men. You won't find any curriculums. Yeah. But you can find, you can find books you know, and by some great guys that are some of my mentors um, in men's ministry. But no one had ever put together curriculum, and I'll tell you why. There's no money in it. Yeah, I mean, I hate to rain on everybody's parade. Uh, the reason why some of our uh, curriculum publishers have gotten out of the men's ministry is they can't make any money at it. But here's the beautiful thing. I have a day job. Yeah. I'm, I, when it comes to men's ministry, I'm kind of going like the Apostle Paul. He said, I could make you support me yeah. because you really should. And my other brothers that are getting support from me, they're not doing anything wrong. But I'm not going to have you hold that over my head. I'm going to work and I'm going to make tents and I'm going to do what I have to do to provide for myself. So you won't hold that over my head. So when we put the manchurch.com together, I said, you know what? I, I have a job. It doesn't have to make money, but uh, you know, we'll try to recover the expenses that we have the best we can make it affordable. It doesn't, it certainly doesn't cost anything what churches spend on the other ministries in their church. But I think that's been another thing. I, we don't need to make a living at this. Yeah. We just want to disciple men. 
And uh, we want to reach them. We want to disciple them. And I think if you do that, you change so many. That's that's one of our catchphrases. You'll see it on our website. Disciple men change everything. Yeah, Mm. that's really good. Um, And I think uh, think to be honest, uh, this quarantine time, these last two months or eight weeks or however long we've been in this thing, I think a lot of men have received or are going to receive that same kind of spiritual butt whooping that we all needed at some point uh, yeah. that where they went through a quarantine time and all their excuses, all their excuses, students, men, all their excuses have been taken away of why they couldn't follow Jesus. Um, and it's just, they're simply left with, I have, I have an unregenerated soul and I don't love him. I don't have any desire for him. Even when everything else is stripped away, I have no desire. I have no delight. Yeah. And I think that's really good. Um, I think that's I think that's true, and I think the Lord's going to use this time to reveal that in a lot of men. And Rick, I, I, I just one last thing, um, maybe in just a couple words, because um, I know that for us to go into this season, and I know you're, you were still on the show, and it, may, it was a little, you know, the Joe Diffie, uh, you know, DEFCON Diffie thing that you guys had to go through where you guys, some were at home and some were at the studio. Your life hasn't changed that much, that drastically with your job. But, but even in this time of not being able to meet with the church, not being able to meet uh, with God's people, um, that's hard. How, like, and, and having to kind of be in this wilderness time. Um, this this time of kind of having to be isolated. What has the Lord taught you? What's something the Lord's really just taught you specifically in this time? It's not the job of my church to grow me spiritually. Mm. Um, it, it's it's like so you're just not. You, you, when when did you have to have an official building and a place to go? And I'm and I'm all for the local church. Don't misunderstand yeah. me. When, when did you? I'm you are the church, and I am who I am in your house, at work, wherever. And, and I've learned that too many times I sit back and I let vocational ministers do the work that I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. I, I had a, I had a man tell me one time, if anybody else is a spiritual leader for your wife and for your children, that whoever that person is, is a better husband and father than you are. That's right. And I remember thinking to myself, so I, it, it has challenged me once again to say, I love the structure of worship. I love the structure of the local church. Uh, but the biggest thing for me is that um, it's not the job of the church. The church is supposed to be a place to go and worship and a mm-hmm. place to say thank you. But uh, the church does not consist of meetings and gatherings. The church exists in Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, and, and so instead of me going, well, you know, I wish we'd gone to church this week. We do watch the services technically, which is great, and I love that. It's not like being there, yeah. and I never want to lose that gathering. We're told that we should gather. Yeah. But it, it has taught me once again that if, if all of a sudden this, this tradition and this culture of Christianity was taken away, what does the spiritual health of your house look like? Yeah. And uh, and I, I, I think that that has been a biggie, and I'm just reminded again that when Jesus said in John 16, 33, I say this so that you'll have peace in me. Yeah. I think about that. I say this so that you'll have peace in me hmm. in this world, like we are experiencing, like you said, all of us to different degrees in this world, you will face tribulation. You know, that, that kind of kills the health, wealth and prosperity gospel right there. That <laughs> Sorry, Jesus, just said, Jesus just said that we would have tribulation. He said, but when you, when you do, then you take heart. Or have peace in your heart, because I've overcome the world. Mm. You know your real problems have been resolved. This is a, a you know a minor inconvenience 
for for me, it has been. For others, it's been tragic. For some, they've died. But all of us are dying. Everybody. You know, every one of us is closer to death or Jesus' return today than we were yesterday. And and the reminder is that Jesus said, I'm reminding you once again that I take away, I can take away anything from you that the world offers, and it seems like a vapor. But if you are in me, then you be peace. Yeah. And I've learned that in a big time way. That's, that's good. Great. That's really good. And that's encouraging to us. I, um, man, I know the Lord has moved and used this, um, not in the big, loud ways that I'm accustomed to him using it. Uh, it's kind of like that story of Elijah where he's using it kind of in the whisper. He's not in the yeah. big fire. He's not. It's in the whisper that he's teaching. And uh, I think we're both uh, products of that, that we're learning from the Lord. And Rick, we just appreciate it. Um, as a huge fan of the show that subscribes to your podcast and listen to every single thing that you guys do, including all those uh, including all those Bible studies, which links will be in the show description um, to that and themanchurch.com. Those will both be in the, descri- uh, the description of this episode. Uh, Rick, we want to say thank you so much for yeah, thank you very much. Uh, being on with us. What an honor. Thanks for trusting me with this. Yeah, we appreciate it. And we we thank you guys so much for listening to the Here's the Deal podcast. Uh, We believe that... this platform hopefully is good for you hearing the gospel like you've heard today share this with somebody subscribe share it let somebody else hear this if you got a man in your life who needs this word send it to him but like subscribe and share and uh, we love you guys we hope that you've enjoyed this podcast and we'll talk to you next time on the here's the deal podcast